Welcome to the Jesus Image Podcast. You know, we all have holes in our theology. No one has perfect theology. But this morning, I want you to think, if you had to guess whose theology would be more accurate, Michael's or mine? No, seriously, think this through. I know he's, he's Greek, he's got the Greek Orthodox, he knows the ancient fathers, married to an Israelite. Uh, but I'm Chinese and we're good at taking tests. You know, so who would you think in your mind, just go, gosh, who's... And I'm older, so I've had more time to refine. I just want, seriously, in your head, who do you think is more accurate? Okay, you don't have to raise your hand, just in your head. The second question. If you had to, who do you think is more humble? (laughs) Before you answer that, I want you to know, every once in a while, I'll get a text from Michael, and, and it'll be a video, and it's him playing golf. No explanation, it's just a, a, a video of his golf swing. I get excited, because I'm thinking, oh, he's got a verse for me, he's got a word. It's like, oh. So humility, who would you, you pick? You got those two? Okay, one last one, last one. Just loving. Okay? Like you're you're in the worst time of your life. Hard, hard time. Who would you want to shepherd you? I mean here, Michael. Like who I, I want you to answer it. I want you in your head to think through. You too, Jess. No, like because I have answers. Like what I think, like who would you have said? Just be honest, theologically. No, you, you, you. I would have guessed you. Okay. Humility would have been me. Humility would have been me. Okay, but love. You think you're more loving? I don't. I don't know. I seriously, I think if I'm going through a hard time, I'd want to talk to me. I have like this. Kindness. I want you to see how stupid this is. <laughs> Are you seeing that? Okay. Because there's a lot of this going on in the Christian world. You know, it's so much right now is about people lining up behind their leader and, and him deciding whether he's more humble than the next guy or he's more accurate theologically and he or she tells you, you know, who you should listen to, who you shouldn't listen to. And it's, it's just stupid because you didn't come here to talk about Michael or myself. You came here thinking, wait, you're telling me I ha- there's a chance that I can actually experience God. 
I could encounter the one who's keeping us all breathing, who spoke the world into existence. I could actually touch him this morning. And you want to talk about people? Yes, there is something. You guys, I don't know how to do it, but I'm going, Lord, please, we have to kill this celebrity Christian culture somehow. It's dividing the church and it's distracting us. And we start having favorites. Who's your favorite worship leader? What's your favorite worship song? I'm praying that some of you, especially you younger people, can hear these conversations about different Christian leaders. And as your friends are talking to you about it, I, I just that you would have the boldness to say, you guys, can we not talk about this? I just want to fix my eyes on Jesus. Can we talk about him? Can we just change the subject? I mean, just to have the boldness to go, you know what, enough of this. I, I can't figure out this scandal, that scandal, this person, that person, who's real, who's not. Can we just talk about him? Just a, a couple months ago, uh, one of my elders were having an elder meeting and, and he made the comment, he goes, man, you know, the war in Israel broke out and I'm so glad you addressed that. You know, and then there was a big scandal the next week and I'm, I'm glad you addressed that. But this week, can you just preach about Jesus? I just wanna hear a sermon on Jesus. What would the church be like if we really fixed our eyes on Jesus and we we're just stubborn about it? Like, I don't want to talk about anyone else. Let's just talk about him. There's so much to say about him. Let's not be distracted. Let's fix our eyes. Let's turn to that passage in Hebrews 12. But as you turn there, one more. If Benny Hinn and Heidi Baker went to a prayer tournament, you know, I know, I know. Okay, Hebrews 12. <laughs> you know, those prayer tournaments. Um, Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, this is, I, I love this passage. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It's been praying, Father, help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at his right hand. You know, it starts off this, this, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and you know that Hebrews 11 is this list of people and their faith, and, and the two things about that list that you have to understand that they all had in common in Hebrews 11, this cloud of witnesses, is they had faith and they were humans. I'm sure you knew that, but I want that to stick with you. These were humans. That's the point. And you look at Abraham, you look at Moses, you look at Noah. We have to be so careful that we don't glorify them in some way that they're not meant to be glorified. Because then we start looking at Moses like some sort of superhero, superhuman. But the point of this list is he goes, you're, you're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses that were human. One of my favorite verses is, is James 5, 17. Elijah was a man just like us. Elijah was a man who had a nature who was just like ours, but he prayed. The whole point is, you, you, this is not a list for you to go, well, well, that's Noah. Well, that's Abraham. I mean, that, you're talking about Moses. It, it, we'll, we'll do anything to make excuses. That's another point of this is we have no excuse. Because you're surrounded by this cloud of, of people who were human, just like you are, but they believed. Because once you start looking at David and going, well, I'm not going to be David. I'm not Deborah. Then that's what, then we start doing that with, I'm not Heidi Baker. We, We just start putting these people in this place that's above us as though we could never attain to that. And he goes, we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. So let's lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let's run with endurance the race that is set before us us. Okay, you see, other people did it. There was a race that was sent out for them. Humans, they believed it, they did it. 
That's the example to us. That is not anything else. It's not to glorify them. It's not so you go, well, I could never be like that. The point is, is they did it. There was a race set out for them and they ran it. And God is saying to you, you specifically, there's a race set out for you. And it's a long one and you run it with endurance. And you go, I got this. I don't care if everyone else falls away. What's that got to do with me? I've got this list of examples. I got these witnesses. They did it. They were human and they believed. And so God has a race for me. And he says, so you know what? Throw off every weight. Anything that's going to slow you down. He's not talking about sin here. He says that in the next part. He's just saying that the the things that weigh you down. it's, It's a picture of a runner. He goes, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't run with the water bottle. You don't run with anything. There's things in your life that are keeping you from running this race that are holding you down. And, and you just go, well, it's not sin. You know, you're right. It's, it's not sin to swim with a bowling ball. It's just dumb, you know? There, there are things that we just, like we hold on to and we go, well, it's not sin. Yeah, but is it helping you run this race? You know, because he has this race marked out for you. And the Bible says you got you to cast off these things that are going to keep you from running this race with endurance. And I don't know what that is for each of you. I'm going to trust. I trust the Holy Spirit tell you what those things are. I don't need to tell you. And the sin that so easily entangles. Again, it's the picture of the runner. And they would have these, you know, back then, they don't have the track gear we have. You know, they'd have these sheets that they cover themselves up with. But seriously, you start running and the thing comes off and it's, it's crazy. He says, you know, just get rid of it. And so, I mean, back then, this is what I learned in seminary. Uh, where'd you go to seminary? Did you go to seminary? Where? Where, where, where am I at seminary? Oh, you're in seminary. Oh, okay. I didn't know. That's good. That doesn't matter. I was just curious. I just remember in seminary, they, they said, you know, back then they, they literally would run with no clothes on. Yeah, we didn't learn that. You didn't learn that yours? No. <laughs> talk about other stuff. No, you talk about other stuff. You have Chinese guys at your seminary? <laughs> How are their grades? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways, this whole idea, he, you know, the running is like, I'm going to get rid of anything that could tangle me up. And it says the sin that so easily entangles. Look, some of you, um, and I'll get back to this, but there are things that are in your life please, please, Lord,
There's secrets in this room. Things that are hidden. That no one else in the room knows about. It started off as a little compromise and before you know it, like this verse said, it's a sin that so easily entangles or that clings so closely and suddenly you're addicted, suddenly you're in this relationship, suddenly you, you just feel like you can't get out of it. And then you feel like, well, I gotta keep ministering and doing my ministry thing. No, you, no, you don't. In fact, please don't. Please have faith that you can get this out of your life so that you can go into the ministry and run this race and endure. And I'm praying that that God exposes whatever that is to you, that you expose whatever that is and you get rid of it. You lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles because we need a generation that can run with perseverance and make it to the end. The race that is set out for us, your race, not striving to run someone else's race or go, wow, look at what that person's doing. I want to do that too. That's what we were talking, you know, what I was sharing about at, the, at Jesus 23, just we've got to have a generation and individuals that just go, you know what, I just want to live a quiet life, work hard with my hands, run the race that I was called to run rather than dreaming of I want to be the leader of this just be faithful with the people right in front of you. Just love them, you know. We have enough people going, I want to change Orlando. And not enough people saying, I want to impact David. I want to help Susan. I want to just get into their lives. I want them to know you, Lord. I'm just quietly making disciples. If we were all just about making disciples rather than making a name for ourselves or our ministries. You guys like elephants? Cool. I was in a India, first time in India, and we're driving down the road, and the roads are crazy. People are walking, and people are on donkeys, people are in cars, scooters, and then an elephant comes up the road. <laughs> I'm like, dang, that's awesome. Why, why am I the only one that is just staring? Like, that's incredible. They're, they're, they're cool. I have a surprise for you. No, just kidding. <laughs> Will you be excited? We, we love elephants. We love elephants. Um, do, you know, uh, do you know how long it takes, like if you have a male and female elephant, 
and uh, they have a baby. You know how long that takes? Does anyone know? Do they teach you that in seminary? <laughs> two years, yeah, two years. Pregnant for two years, ladies. Think about that. You know, at eight months when you're like, oh, get this out. It's like, oh, you're a third of the way. You know, two years. Yeah, okay, let's talk about rabbits. You know how long it takes for a rabbit to have a baby? 30 days. Oh, that's cool, huh? And they can have 12 at a time. And they can get pregnant right after they just had a baby or 12. So in four years, those two elephants could multiply into four elephants. That's it. Four years. If, if those, you know, because a, a, a rabbit can have a baby at six months old. So those two rabbits in four years time, do you know what mathematically it could, how many rabbits there could be? University of Miami actually did the study. I know, so you guys came up with it. What, what, four years, how many rabbits would there be? 1.8 million. 1.8 million from the two rabbits in four years. Just their babies have babies. Well, what's my point? To show you how much I know about animals. You know, no. What my point is there are too many people that I look at Jesus' image or upper room and go, I want to have an elephant like that. Meanwhile, if we all just made disciples, that could be millions of us that no one notices, multiplies, yeah. And when I said that, Brother Yoon goes, you know, you don't know what we said. Because that's the underground church, right? No famous people in the underground church. You can't be famous or you get taken out. There's something beautiful about that. You know, and they multiply to millions. It's like, how are there a hundred million of them? Because they're not about birthing elephants. You know, I'm just going to lead a quiet life. I'm going to make disciples of everyone around me. Love the people that are in front of me. Because this is the race that's marked out for me. And we run with perseverance this race. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Because he's the author. The author. I love this phrase. Why do we stare at him? Because he's the author of our faith. Author of our faith. He's the founder, the author. We 
Why do I believe in Jesus today? Because Jesus started something in my life. I don't want to give credit to anyone else. Did God use people? Yeah, he used people. Great. But that, that, that'd be like if, if Michael pulled out crazy love and goes, ah, oh, when I wrote this book. I'm like, dude, I, I wrote that book. I'm the, I'm the author of that. Don't go telling people you wrote it. And what God's saying here is he goes, I'm the author of your salvation. I'm the one that started a process in you. I chose you before the foundation of the world that you should be holy and blameless. Okay, so this goes way back. So yeah, thank, thank, thank people. Yes, you know, honor them. But, but really, I mean, and I think I speak for Jess, Michael, if you want to honor us, fix your eyes on Jesus. You know, I go, wow, the author of my faith. You saw me when no one else saw me. Think about your life. Think about where you were. Why are you in this room right now? Why are you watching online? Why are you in love with him? Because there's this being in heaven who started something. He started it. And so you come here today to thank him. I mean, even now, as I'm speaking, Jesus is here. Thank him. God, you... You started something in my life. Forgive me for giving too much credit to anyone else. You knew me in my mother's womb. You chose me before the foundation of the world. You, Jesus, I don't want to talk about anyone else. I fixed my eyes on you because you are the author of my life. And he's the perfecter. So important that you know this. That he who began a good work in you. I hear a lot of people saying, well, I fell away from the Lord because of my pastor. I'm not denying that people can have an adverse effect on you. Or walked away from God. I don't believe him anymore because of this happened to me, that happened to me. And we blame something. I had this accountability group and they, they didn't call me. They didn't get back to me when I really needed them. I'm not excusing that. But Jesus says, wait, I started this thing and I finish it. I'm actually the perfecter of your faith. You know? I, I love this promise. Don't you love this promise? That means if everyone lets me down, it's okay. Because they didn't start this, and they're not going to perfect this. I don't know if you've been a Christian long enough to realize that people are going to let you down. <laughs> it takes about a week. I, I don't know if you, it's just, it's going to happen. I'm going to let you down. People are going to let you down, but it's no excuse because we have a promise that the author of our faith is also the perfecter of our faith. That's so good to know. 
This is why we can't look at the sin in our lives and go, but I'm addicted, I'm this, I'm that. It's too hard. You know, I was born into this type of family. Look, I get it. All those things are real, but it is also real that he is the perfecter. And there is a promise. And when we pray to him, we say now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. He's able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. Jude, that's what he says. He goes, he can keep you from stumbling. Your parents might not keep you from stumbling. Your husband, wife won't keep you from stumbling. Your parents, your, your, your pastor, your, your Christian school teacher, whoever it is, they're going to let you down. And that, that, that's, we're human. And, and that we got to somehow take our eyes off that. Let God use people. That's who he uses. The Spirit fills people. But God promises, I can keep you from stumbling. I can keep you from stumbling. I thank God for that promise. On January 8th of this coming year, my wife and I will be celebrating 30 years. 30 years. Yeah, it's... It's been awesome. And I've been faithful. I look you in the eyes and tell you I've been faithful to my wife for 30 years. Because he can keep you from stumbling. And you need to believe this. And I believe I'm going to stay faithful to my wife till I die or she dies. I've prayed, God, if possible, could I die first? (laughs) If possible, just because I I don't want to live without her. And I pray that when I'm doing a wedding, I'm just going, God, please, please, please. Or have us both crash on the way to Orlando. (laughs) You know, whatever. (laughs) Like, I just... I love her. I love her. I love her. And I thank God. I thank the God who is able to keep me from stumbling. Because it doesn't mean I'm not tempted. It doesn't mean there's not opportunities. I'm a good looking guy. So it... Okay, between Michael and I... Okay. You win, you win, I get it. Okay. But it's, it's just this whole thought that I get it. We're, we live in a crazy world and there's stuff out there, but you got to believe and you got to fix your eyes on Jesus because he's the author and the perfecter. And you can look at him today, this morning and say, Jesus, you started something in me. I'm going to trust you to perfect it. And even for those of you who have been entangled in sin, you claim his promise today. You said you can keep me from stumbling and I'm gonna claim that God and I'm gonna confess this and I'm gonna remove this 
in the name of Jesus. Who for the joy set before him. I love that. Why do we fix our eyes on Jesus? He's the creator of the world and it says for the joy set before him. Ephesians says we're this inheritance that we are his inheritance. He's praying that our eyes would be enlightened so we understand his inheritance of us. This is fascinating. And for those of you like me that maybe grew up as an unwanted child, unloved by your dad, it's hard to accept when you go, wait, so it's his joy? His desire for me? That the joy of one day being you? Wait, so I, I, I get it. I want to be with him, but you're saying he wanted me so badly? That it was that joy set before him that he endured the cross? Because he wants me? Do you believe that? If so, then why do you want to fix your eyes on it? Why do you want to talk about anyone else? Don't, don't look at David and Moses. Oh, Moses got to go in the tent and everything else. The Bible says, no, we, can, we have a glory that far surpasses that. So don't, don't, don't envy like, oh man, I wish I was Moses or I wish I was Joshua and I could have just stood and seen all of that. He says, that's, that's you. My daughter Mercy's here. Can you come up here just for a second? I know, it's embarrassing. Dad. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And she is my favorite worship leader. Sorry, Lindy. <laughs> close, close, close. Um, I love this girl so much. I knew I could just spontaneously call her up here and she would come to me. Very real. Do you believe that about Jesus? Is he that real to you? Do you really believe James 4, I think it's 8, where he says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. How real is that to you? As real as this? Or I knew I could say, mercy, come up here. Hold me. Love me. Do you believe that about Jesus right now? How real is your relationship with him? 
Do you really believe that it's his joy to come when you call upon him? It wasn't just Moses. It wasn't just a man. It wasn't just Elijah. He was a man just like us. It wasn't just Mary. How real is Jesus to you? Is this a real relationship? Where you go, he started this. He's going to finish this. I can call upon him. Jesus, keep me from stumbling. Jesus, make me stand in the presence of God's glory, blameless with great joy. Jesus, perfect. Help me to cast off these weights, these sins. Jesus, you're real to me. Fix my eyes on Jesus, the author, perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. When you think about Jesus in heaven, think about him. Tell him, God, you went to the cross. And you have to understand that when Jesus came to the earth, he truly became flesh, like truly flesh. Don't look at Jesus even as though, well, the cross must not have hurt him as much as it would hurt me because he was God. No, the word became flesh. 100% man. Just if I took a whip to your back right now and I took a whip to Jesus in the flesh, equal pain. And he did that because he wanted to be able to come to you when you call on him. He wanted to be able to bring you to the Father and come before the throne where you can really enter into the throne room and be like John, the beloved, just laying your head on his chest, believing you can do that right now. That was for the joy set before him. He endured the cross despising its shame. He hated the shame of being spit on, hanging on a tree. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Oh, but but he's God, so it wasn't that hard. No, he says, I hated that. I despise the shame. That's why he's in the garden and going any other way the shame my god my god anyway but 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 I, I i want so there's this god who wants to come to you and he endured the cross despised its shame 
and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Ephesians says it's far above all rule, all authority, all power and dominion, above every name that's ever been named, not only in this age, but in the age to come, like far above. So right now, we're flesh and blood down here. We also know that there's a spiritual war going on. We're not alone in this room. Other things going on that we don't understand, we don't see. And then the Bible says there's a throne that's far above all rule, authority, power. And above every name, there's this throne up there. And the Bible says that Jesus is seated there. You're picturing that? Bunch of humans on the earth. Spiritual warfare like we don't understand. And then this throne that's far above all rule, authority, all dominion. It's way up there. And he says, I'm going to fix my eyes on that. Refuse to get caught up in these, these silly conversations that are distracting us, confusing us, dividing us. And can we have a generation that's just fixing their eyes on Jesus and say, look, he started this in me. He's gonna finish this in me. And he's far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion. And I love his presence, it's so real to me. I call upon him and he comes to me. I draw near to God and he draws near to me. And this is all I want. And he may thunder things to me and just for me. He may do miracles for me and just for me. Let's make this about Jesus. Let's fix our eyes on him right now. Do we have some worship after? Is it, can we have the worship team come up or, or just? I want us just to spend some time. I love that about being here. This is, this is the heart of this place is we want to get out of the way and let people fix their eyes on him. There's a chance that we could touch deity. There's a promise that he will draw near to us the author and perfecter of our faith. Fix your eyes on that throne that's far above everything. 
seated on that throne, Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. He started something in your life. Maybe you've been entangled in something. Maybe you're holding on to things. He can change that today. Because he's the perfecter of your faith. Let go of the hurt that others have caused. Let go of the blame. Let go of the excuses and stare at Jesus. Thank you, author. We trust you, perfecter. You're all powerful. Keep us from stumbling. draw near to him right now. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can like and subscribe to help us continue to reach people around the world with the gospel. Give today at jesusimage.tv forward slash give. You can also join us in person or online every Sunday at Jesus Image Church. For more information on Jesus Image, events, Jesus School, and resources, visit jesusimage.tv.